Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Spin This Podcast 20th Episode Spectacular. We have nothing planned. <laughs> I'm Sam. And I'm Aiden. As usual, we have nothing planned. Yeah, but it's a little less planned. Well, technically we have like, what, three months worth of plans? Uh, yeah, actually we do have quite a few notes that we've written down specifically for this episode. And I think this episode was supposed to be recorded... A long time ago. Although, I think they've all been up in the air uh, since the last episode was delayed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as of recording, we've recently released episode 19, which we recorded, I think, in July. Yeah. Uh, Right now, it's October. It's late October. Uh, A lot has happened. We've, in the meandering months that have passed, we've met, met up. You and I. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. And we didn't record a podcast. That was between... Yeah, you're right. That was between uh, episode 19 and now. I just realized that. Yep. And we didn't record an episode. It would have uh, made sense, but we were... We were busy. We were busy, actually. We recorded music, though. Yeah. And maybe maybe we'll have a little tease at the end of this episode of a track. A couple seconds as our outro, maybe. Hell, yeah. I mean, that, that was the famous... Jam sessions, you understand, with Joe Smash. He was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand well, because him. I was also there. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe tease a little snippet of the Joe Smash sessions. Yeah. So, uh, uh, do you want to kick off some news? Actually, I'll kick off some news. You, you, you just take it easy. I will. I will take it very easy. Uh, when did Charlie Watts die? It seems like a while ago now. Charlie Watts? Yeah. Familiarize me. Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones. Oh. He was the drummer. I, oh, he died? He died in August. Oh, Man, okay. He okay, died yeah, like I do t- remember this. He's, he died like almost two months ago to the day. That's how, like, I put that on there like the day that he, he died in, in the notes. That's how long we've been waiting on this episode regard. It's not even news anymore. But yeah. he obviously, like, you know, it's a band like the Rolling Stones has a huge legacy. And uh, for, you know, as far as I know, he was in it from the very beginning. So that's quite a career that he's had. Uh, and now he's, as far as I know, the first Rolling Stone to die. Was he doing um, anything, like, prior to his death? Like, was he uh, touring or anything like that? I, I think the Rolling Stones is still f- fairly active uh, touring and stuff, as far as I know. Looks like he but, was 80 uh, years old he, when he died. Yeah, yeah. That's not and, bad. And he's not the Rolling Stone you would have thought that would died, have died first. No, no. He, you know. Which is ironic. Is, uh, yeah. It just goes to show that doing lots of cocaine will actually prolong your life. Yeah, it's, it's the best medicine, as they say. That and laughter. If it feels good, then it must be good, right? It comes from nature, sort of. <laughs> Nature's candy. Everything comes from nature, because it, then it, if it was, it didn't come from nature, it would be unnatural and therefore not exist. Yeah. 
the natural order of things must allow for the Rolling Stones to live on forever. Yeah. It will fuel them. I'm surprised Keith Richards is still alive. But Yeah. Well, now we, well, we've seen uh, they've lost their drummer. So, uh, you know, cherish them while they're here. You know, yep. love your beloved Rolling Stone, every single one of them, all the stones. God bless you, every single <laughs> one. Who's the guy from uh, the Pogues that's like barely alive? I'm not familiar. Uh, I was just thinking about other people who have like just lost their mind to drugs and stuff like that and are, are still somehow still alive. Like uh, obviously Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne comes to yeah. mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, any other good ones? <laughs> any good ones? Is it Shane McGowan from the Pogues? I just remember like they did interviews of him like before and after like he had gone on like uh you know his his typical mid-career uh dr- drug binge and then uh yeah. he just looked sounded like completely uh, unintelligible afterwards. I mean, it, it gets the best of them. I, you either die a hero or live long enough to be sustained purely by cocaine. Yep. Or Sharon Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you got any news that you want to dive into? Yeah, I don't know, like, um, how much of this stuff... I, I basically put a lot of stuff in here that was, like, interesting, like, kind of adjacent news to what we would typically talk about, but I'm not sure how much of it is really actually newsworthy uh i watched a good uh, an interesting documentary the other day it was i'm not sure if you would call it a documentary but it was a video about taylor swift re-recording her album i think oh, it was yeah. her debut album and i'm going to have to remember i think it's fearless yeah uh hold on you're the expert man yeah i know i should know this uh, <laughs> uh yeah it is fearless so I'm I'm vindicated. My memory is vindicated, and usually my memory is shit. So uh, that vindication uh, is necessary. So there's now two versions of Fearless. One is simply called Fearless, and the other calls Fearless Taylor's version, which is basically a uh, you know beat for beat re-recording of the original album. The uh, master rights of the original record are now owned by a holding company, which is owned by uh, Scooter Braun, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with. He was the uh, oh, uh, I've, Justin I've heard Bieber's. Parts of it. Yeah. yeah, he was Justin Bieber's manager, and she was in a dispute uh, with him about uh, owning her masters because technically, what a yeah. a master recording is, it's, it's almost like capital, right? It's a, it's an investment, right? You own it, yeah, and then yeah. it generates revenue over time, right? Yeah, I, I remember the Taylor Swift stuff like that. That like for years, this has really kind of been a, a, an ongoing battle for her master or her uh, yeah master recording rights. Exactly, exactly. And you know, there's a lot of other stuff in this too about you know how the music industry specifically preys upon people who are not very knowledgeable about these kind of things like younger yeah. uh teen musicians like taylor w- was at the time that she recorded this original album but i mean uh, interesting enough a lot of people are like oh my god she's like really created this you know new uh trend of re-recording well i i, I think we might have spoken about this before but other artists have done this if i'm not mistaken actually uh, i think Def deaf leopard re-recorded their catalog uh, because they didn't own the masters and thus could not yeah. uh, license them. But uh, uh, this will also, I'll, I'll tease, this will slightly kind of, in terms of re recording the uh, original music, tie into my Get Wrecked nerd. Kind oh, yeah? Of, by coincidence. 
Uh, and okay, you I may do, remember another right dynamic duo that uh, recorded their debuts. Uh, and that is us. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Didn't we do but that? But not because we don't own the master recording rights. No, <laughs> no one bought the original ones. We're Now we have two versions that are for sale. See, all these artists that we've been talking about were better than them because we own all of our music. Yeah. All of their Oh, rights. that's true. <laughs> we're, we're no uh, amateurs in this industry. They got, they got, they're suckers. There's we no amount of suckers. money that they could offer me. I've looked. There isn't any offer. Yeah, there, there is, and there isn't any money either. Yeah, we have no leverage in this negotiation. Yeah. So has this album come out that Taylor Swift has re-recorded? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I think good she for even her. released it on Spotify too, which is kind of ironic. But anyway, yeah, um, she's had a, a thing with them. Yeah, yeah, which is also kind of understandable. But uh, also, she, but she is like. Um, I'm not sure if you would uh, categorize this in the same way you would Hollywood actors, but she is an A-list performer, right? She's considered one of the most powerful people in the music industry at the moment. I, you know, or maybe huh. I'm thinking of Beyonce. I don't know. <laughs> Beyonce is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Beyonce is uh, a queen. <laughs> Beyonce yeah, probably I've... has more power than the queen. And of course, I'm talking about the queen of England because uh, yeah. that distinction has to be made to, as so as to not confuse her with Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. There's another uh, article here. This is from Music Business Worldwide. This is a pretty esoteric source of news uh, related to the music industry. Apparently, Warner Music Group has bought uh, the publishing rights for David Bowie's uh, catalog. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and I, I actually wanted to say, say this because the other day I was actually looking up the uh, share of the music industry market that are owned by the th- big three collectively. I think Warner Music Group is actually the biggest one, I think, and they occupy like 66% of the market, if I'm, not, if oh, I'm wow. not mistaken. Now, this is not just the Warner Music as a record label. Of course, yeah. all of these companies are not just record labels. They're also uh, distributors, and they have a whole bunch of publishing companies attached to them. Yeah. And a whole like bunch Warner of... Warner like, owns a ton of shit. Yeah, and a whole, whole bunch of like sub subsidiaries is what they're called yeah uh, not only is my memory failing my my the lingu- linguistics part the linguistic side of my brain is failing as well your linguistics are failing yeah i'm just getting louder too um, <laughs> so so what is this they just get make all the david bowie money now is yeah, that what it looks is like it. yeah well good for warner i've not seen their offer for my catalog but i assume it'll probably be in a similar caliber to the david bowie costs so it looks like uh these but are his know, masters i'm not I'm for sure. sale i'm not sure if they comprise actually um i, I did say publishing and uh, i might have been wrong about that i want to distinguish publishing from masters which uh are two different categories of rights it's possible that these are just yeah. the masters looks like i'm not sure if this includes the publishing rights because i would imagine that the publishing is at least co-owned by david bowie's estate uh since he's yeah dead and yeah. therefore, um, he would own any copyrights, or his estate would own the copyrights, I think, uh, 70 years after he's dead, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's years? when public domain kind of kicks in. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it just makes sense to for the estate to sell his whole catalog. I don't know. It's definitely, you always hear his music in movies and TV and stuff, so oh, yeah. there's... Uh, there's money to be made and also i mean you get a lot of money from like that would be like synchronization royalties 
And then you also have like mechanical royalties as well from, you know, reproduction and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that, that would be pretty lucrative as far as his catalog is concerned. But then I guess, you know what I was wondering? I was thinking back to an older podcast that we did that was about um, uh, selling catalogs. I know that a lot yeah. of them are sold because of the uh, capital gains tax going up. I know that a lot of them were sold with the under the auspices that the capital gains tax would be increasing. I believe oh, it was yeah, going up to, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was going up to uh, over 20%. So I'm not sure if like somebody owns um, a publishing rights as an estate, are they also subject to an estate tax as well? I would think so. Although I don't think the estate tax is quite that much. I think it's like three to four percent annually or something like that. Yeah, maybe they just uh, got a good deal and they're like, you know, guys. I think it any profit gained is is considered capital gains tax because when you have something and then you profit off of that existing asset then the difference that you make is capital gains whereas uh i think an estate tax just is basically almost like a, a wealth tax almost sort of and on that note <laughs> i'm just pontificating we go to about some, taxes now uh should we uh, go to some joe pass joe smash hell yeah brother so if you want to helm this segment, I will helm this. I think segment. you were also supposed to helm the last I, segment, but I just uh, totally derailed you, and I apologize. Well, nah. I will decide if I would like to forgive you. Oh, you've retracted already. Okay, well then, fuck you too. I, it, it'd be funny. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny if I said not. So we got we have four songs on this list, and I'll be honest with you, I remember one of them, <laughs> and I'll be honest with you again, two of them are by Drake, who I'm canceling. Oh yeah. Yeah, because not only did he ruin jazz, but in a more serious note, he's a groomer. Mm -hmm. So we, I've got to cancel him. I can't do it. I don't care that you were Jimmy on Degrassi anymore. Because Degrassi was a show that I watched when I was a kid. And it doesn't hold up that well. I mean, some some do, but uh, not with Drake's, uh, you know, grooming. I remember, I think, two of these songs. I put both of these songs in here because uh, one of them I liked and the other one was horrible do you remember either of them i don't remember which one is which because i never went back to them it, even the one that i thought yeah. was good maybe i was just like was afraid to roll so, the dice so it must not have been that much of a joe <laughs> smash if you uh, didn't want to go back yeah to so i will talk about the songs that are also yeah. on the list uh where i remember one of them because uh it's uh the song that's what i want by lil nas x mm -hmm. this one is a hard joe smash i'm gonna start off with that right yeah. off the bat it's really fucking catchy it's like lil nas x is just fucking nailing all of these songs that he's been doing lately and music video wise he's unapologetically lil nas x and i fucking love it he is so fucking he's just a really cool dude as well he's cool uh and the song's catchy as hell like, it's probably one that's been in our kind of algorithm playlists uh, when we're listening to music. Uh, it feels very, like, it's it's a good catchy pop song. And uh, Lil Nas X is a, you know, as each release of his is coming out, he just is proving himself each and every time. So I will give that a hard Joe smash. So that, that which one is this? Is this That's What I Want? Yeah, that's, that's What I Want by Lil Nas X. The other one is Lil Nas X as well. Uh, it's called One of Me featuring Elton John. I remember enjoying it, and I thought that the collaboration of Lil Nas X and Elton John was interesting. Uh, but I love it. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy some Elton John uh, and Lil Nas X with him. You know, can't go wrong. Uh, I'll give it a a well. I'll, 
it's hard to judge something by not remembering mm-hmm. it. So it must not have been that much of a Joe Smash, but it was an enjoyable tune. So I'll give it a Joe Smash. So these two songs uh, are both from Drake's new album. And the first one is called Fair Trade that I wanted to talk about. And it's a decent song. I, I think it's got a good uh, lyrical refrain. It's about like losing friends, but uh, gaining like, you know, a, a greater uh, knowledge of yourself, right? It's about like bettering yourself. It's about like calling out all the negative people from your life. The instrumental is decent. Now, I'm being very charitable because I don't really fuck with Drake that much. Um, not only for the reasons uh, that have led to his inevitable cancellation, but also just because yep. I, I find his music to be f- mostly fair, fairly mediocre. The other song, Too Sexy, is an abomination. And it's just like really <laughs> difficult to watch. And it's almost like so bad that it's almost art in a way, but uh, still really bad and just like revolting. And uh, it, it's the music video begins with this like one of those like uh, FBI disclaimers where it's like uh, may may cause pregnancy and stuff like that. Um, and um, yeah, I, I mean like it's weird that uh, Drake is uh, all about you know I need to I'm need to get in touch with my emotions and like better myself and have like emotional intelligence and stuff, stuff like that. But then like do this kind of weird like chauvinistic. You know, I'm the uh, a friggin' gigolo. <laughs> I'm trying to. Th- I was trying to think of a, a synonym for gigolo that doesn't make me sound like I'm from the 1950s, but uh, for right. some reason, gigolo came to mind. But you know, it, it, it's a pretty poor Drake song. Like not necessarily by Drake's uh, standards, but just because um, I feel as though in the mid range of uh, Drake songs could either go like slightly above or just like really far below that baseline and this one goes like really far below that baseline so attention attention you have now completed sorry now completed in order to hear side two in order to please fast forward to the end of the video or during the takeover thank you uh so now we've done some some joke pass and or joe smash do you want to do some uh that uh, that other segment that we do get wrecked nerd get get smashed joe (laughs) yeah uh yeah get smashed joe get wrecked nerd so this is a an album that I discovered, I think I've heard of it before, but I discovered it and listened to it yesterday. It is just the, uh, it's called Live at the Roundhouse, and it's by Nick Mason's A Saucer Full of Secrets. So Nick Mason is the drummer from Pink Floyd. You know, he's the, basically the only band member of Pink Floyd to have been there for like 100% of the iterations of Pink Floyd. And similar to how like Roger Waters he's been going on tour doing the wall and he's he did his us and them tour pulling from different of Pink Floyd's big albums and doing live shows with them uh Nick Mason's band is a little more into the roots of Pink Floyd so it's basically everything pre Dark Side of the Moon the band's name obviously is taken from the album Sauceful of Secrets but they've got like a bunch of and this is like one live album that they have out where they have uh Versions of uh, songs from the first album, a lot of their early singles like uh, CM Lee Play and stuff like that. 
And then like uh, they do a version of Adam Hart Mother. They do a couple songs off of the metal album. So it's like a good, like, you know, get some good fucking diversified Pink Floyd tracks, but done in the this style of Nick Mason's new band, Sauce Full of Secrets. And the guitarist is, uh, he was in the, the band The Blockheads, which I've gone on about previously, uh, but I'm a fan of Ian Jury and The Blockheads. He's not the main guitarist, but he's like the other guy that was in the band. Uh, but still, it's kind of cool. Uh, he's got his cool uh, guitar stylings. So yeah, if you're a, a fan of Pink Floyd, in particular the earlier stuff, it's a pretty interesting experience to to listen to like new versions of these songs that as someone that was obsessed with even the early stuff of Pink Floyd in particular. It's such an awesome experience being able to find these new versions of songs that I know so well. Uh, and technically from one of the people that brought it in the first place. So yeah, once again, that is Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. And I will wreck that to you, nerd. And I have been wrecked. And I'll actually listen to that. That sounds interesting. Uh, when were the... Uh, so these are done over... Like they, they've been... They're uh, older compositions by Pink Floyd uh, that has done, but uh, re-recorded. Uh, when were they released? Uh, so this is from, I think, 2018. Oh, wow. So these are fairly recent. Oh, no, actually, uh, this album was released... Uh, September 2020. Gotcha. Uh, and they were doing an, another tour with presumably maybe another album, but the tour was canceled. Or no, it was postponed due to COVID-19 pandemic. So he's like presently active with this. Well, I did. I do have a Get Wrecked nerd. If I said earlier that I don't have a Get Wrecked nerd, that was a lie. And the past version of me, I, I hereby condemn him for lying through his teeth. But... Uh, I did want to uh, recommend an album called Music for Aegon Shield by uh, the uh, instrumental band Rachel's. Uh, that's uh, R-A-C-H-E-L apostrophe S. They were a, um, as I said, instrumental kind of troupe from the United States. They started in the early 90s and uh, the band like officially kind of ended in the early 2010s. Their, I believe, uh, principal uh, guitarist, if I'm not mistaken, died of cancer. And then uh, after, like, after that, they kind of left behind a big kind of catalog. Uh, I'm not sure. I think the, the band has kind of dispersed and they're all doing their individual solo things or they've all gone into uh, other projects. But yeah, as I said, the band, band is called Rachel's. The album I'm recommended, uh, Music for Aegon Shield, was originally written as a soundtrack to a uh, play, like a you know small th- a theatrical production uh, that was, uh, I believe, at the University of Illinois. Yeah, University of Illinois, and it was the premiere was in May 1995. I would describe it as kind of uh, it's like modern chamber music, I guess you could say. It's like a string quartet with a piano uh, accompanying it. It's very, like, that's basically the setup for most of the album. But what they're able to achieve just with that ensemble setup is actually pretty astounding. There are parts that sound like a kind of, like, late romantic, kind of, like, early modernist kind of thing that they're doing. It's especially reminiscent of kind of, like, impressionistic era, like Camille Saint-Saëns, like, Maurice Ravel. I would say the the biggest uh, analog to it was it. They sound a lot like like a Ravel or like a Eric Satie almost a little bit. The play itself is a, a semi biographical 
play about a uh, a painter named Aegon Shiel, who is an actual painter. I haven't actually hmm. seen the play itself, but I have listened to the music a few times now, and it is really uh, beautiful. I've gotten into the back catalog of Rachel's because they've done a lot of interesting stuff. If you've seen, like, there are actually several films where parts of their, uh, or, or tracks from various albums that they've done have been used just as, uh, like, a soundtrack. Like, there are other, uh, uh, there are other albums by Rachel's that I would recommend, but I would say that this one is probably the, the best introduction, I would say, to their catalog. If you do like this, I would recommend um, another one that is a big album by them is called systems slash layers as well but okay. uh, that's only if you like interested in, in this kind of music i will start with the Aegon shields album. yeah it's good there's a there's a lot of like you can really tell that it's like the- theatrical or soundtrack kind of uh, music it goes through like different moods like very quickly there's a lot of like parts that almost feel like more of a uh, of a dance uh, they're more kind of lively and active and then there are parts that uh, really kind of slow down as the as things start to get more dramatic, especially as indicated by the track titles. Uh, there's like characters kind of, you know, meet each other and then they, you know, go through different kind of phases in their life and then they say goodbye to one another. And the uh, and the music kind of uh, echoes that very well. I think a lot of the stuff that Rachel's uh, wrote was actually commissioned to be soundtracks for different theatrical productions so i think system layers was as well hmm. uh that's music for Aegon shield by rachel's all right so do you got any other things to share music related uh nah how about you uh we should talk a bit about some of the music that we worked on oh the stuff that we uh worked on when we were when you were over yeah yeah oh yeah uh, we basically i i had a week visit not that it was like a not it lacked strength. Uh, a week long is in seven days. It was a week. A uh, visit with Aiden in Ottawa, and we recorded a couple tracks. So we're still working on some of them, or well, like they're in progress, as in to be worked on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think we got some fucking proper Joe Smash tracks there. Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that the actual Joe Smash is somehow related to this visit. They are good. I mean, his name is basically a synonym for uh, a bomb-ass track. So yeah, there's no way that you can create a Joe Smash track without it being good, because yeah. that would be an oxymoron. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of it as the spirit of Joe Smash, whether he be fictional or not. He's kind of like the, the Donald Fagan and Walter Becker of this project. And then you and I are just like they act through us like we are the musicians on the album yeah we're like um um the people who wrote the bible it's like uh <laughs> we're exactly like those those people um the i don't know them going to smash I, I don't know them but i definitely know what they were going through <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure because they were guided by like uh, god i guess yeah i, I think guess. they it's like they just they're like it just came to me i had an idea in my head and who put it there must have been god yeah but yeah so we uh we've got three tracks as of right now i don't i don't think only one of them has a name i'd uh, say Mor- the best one i think the only one that has a name is morning joe isn't it yeah 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 for you and i think I. it's also the best one i would say yeah that is the best one i would say 
You just realize is that I came up with the chord progression to that. It uses a, a I'm just trying to remember the chord progression. It goes from like C minor seven to A minor seven flat five to A flat major seven, and then F uh, half diminished to B half diminished, and then like. I, I was thinking of using that for my for my own compositions, and then I realized that we recorded that, and then <laughs> uh, I I just I was just like, oh no, I've basically used this. I've I've invested this chord progression that I've saved in the back of my mind for this. Yeah. So this it's better a, be good. It's a good chord progression, to be fair. It is. It's very awesome. It's very jazzy. You can. Yeah. I feel like you can use it differently in different settings. That's why I like it. It's it's like a Joe Smash standard jazz standard. Yeah. This is the 251 of Joe Smash. Hey, do you want to know a random, interesting musical fact? Absolutely. Which, like, well, I mean, I, I guess anybody could really come to this conclusion, but I just wanted to say this. Did you know that a minor six chord is really the same thing as a another uh, half diminished chord or minor seven flat five chord, but just in another uh, inversion? Like voicing. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. But so, that like, is useful to know actually it's funny the first two chords in that song i think are c minor six which is like and then uh a minor seven flat five which is uh, yeah and then like those are basically both the same chords they're just in a different uh inversion nice hell and yeah you wasted it on morning joe well actually uh, hell yeah, I did. Well, yeah, well it's it's the best song that we've that we'd made there. Yeah. I would say, uh, I think so too. I, I really like the uh, spaced song. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm working on an edit of that one, and it, it'd be good if it had more uh, verses to it. And then we had like a second part that we were adding to it that we yeah. that didn't really go anywhere. But if we expanded that out a bit, I think it'd be pretty cool. But the parts that we do have, they're pretty good. I think. Yeah, I actually also sang on that album too. Yeah, uh, yeah, we both sing on all the tracks. Uh, I know that you've uh, sang on yeah, several tracks, but I, publicly... I don't think I've. Yeah. I don't think I've ever released anything uh, on any platform that actually has me singing in it, and I'm like, re- uh, yeah, and this a little is bit no nervous about doing that. Haven't to be released it yet. <laughs> I've also well, I've also recorded some vocals for a track that I'm working on. I've been working on an album because I released uh, an EP in 2020 called a living world. And I've been meaning to release a follow-up album to it for quite a long time. That has a similar kind of vibe and the album cover is also designed in blender as well. Um, And uh, it would, but it would actually be more of a, have an alternative rock kind of post rock or indie rock vibe than uh, a living world, which was almost exclusively a kind of electronic ambient kind of down tempo kind of thing going on but uh yeah. a little bit of fusion a little bit of uh things kind of different aspects kind of fusing with one another but uh, i did record vocals for one track on that one track is complete uh i'm working on i've been working on both the first track off of that album and i finished the last track off that album but knowing the the, the pace at which i work and the and the um extent to which i go back and forth between different projects i don't know if i'll ever finish it (laughs) yeah since releasing the dead roaches part two i've not really had any music projects on the go well i mean now with uh, we have the joe smash session tracks but 
Uh, those are just more like fiddling here and there, not really contributing yeah. much to them at this point. Uh, we should like release those in some form. I agree. At some point, I'm not sure what that would look like. Yeah, I gotta open tracks. up those projects again because yeah. I I have been working on music just very slowly. That's the only thing, and I don't think I've opened up those yeah. projects uh, for a little while. I know that uh, they were among the projects that were successfully migrated over to my hard drive after I reformatted. So yeah. I do have them, and I have my kind of mixed version. Yeah, I'm guessing you have the ones that are missing the uh, uh, East West libraries like the strings and whatnot yeah yeah uh, the one with that kind of i replaced it with like a okay. synth kind of string ish thing and it was pretty cool but it's not the original thing so i'll probably send you my version of that to get those get the class yeah i'm sure there's back. a way to commit audio on uh on uh, logic it's not like we record with it all I'm the going time to commit audio yeah but committing audio is basically like uh taking like a midi track or something like that and making it into an audio track the audacity. Um, I, I used to know how to do that on Pro Tools, but uh, there's definitely an equivalent uh, on Logic. But yeah, I think it's like you bounce the actual track itself, and then it creates like a um, another track with the audio. And then I can uh, I can send you the audio once I've done that. That'd be awesome. You should do that. Hell yeah. And, and maybe even maybe even by the time this podcast release, we can release yes. Morning Joe. Wait, did we finish that song? We didn't finish today. Eh? That's I. Uh, I was gonna record uh, a little solo-y thing in the outro on the Joe Smash guitar, uh, but other than that, like I have a version that's pretty much yeah. like good to go. Thank you for listening to this spin this podcast. Podcast that we're gonna talk about the music things and everything that's musical and spinning, 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 spinning all around, and then that's how the thing spins and it spins out. I've been Sam Dow, and I'm Aiden. And you will spin again. Hell yeah, brother. The way you see you stoop so low with my coffee, my cup of joe. Pack your bags, collect your shit, get off the pot. <laughs>